Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Last week of Kingdom Culture. So some of you are probably like, Stephen, get over this already. But here's what's awesome, guys. Every once in a while, I'll go through and just listen to, to other pastors, other churches, um, just to see what the Holy Spirit is teaching through them. And so I was listening to, um, uh, who was it? it was Perry Noble out of uh, South Carolina, and Pastor Alan Jackson popped up on my watch next at World Outreach Church. And guess what he's been preaching on the last several weeks? the kingdom of God. I had no idea. Now listen, you can probably go listen to his stuff. It might be a little better than mine. He's been doing it way longer, right? But what is incredible is that the same Holy Spirit is speaking through multiple churches. And I was just floored. So I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of these weeks um, on the kingdom of God, uh, go back and listen. So we started with understanding what a kingdom is. We don't understand that really a lot coming from a, a democracy setting. We talked about kingdom authority um, in week two. Week three uh, was kingdom resources and that you and I have been given specific resources that we are to combine with our authority to expand God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And so we simply define the kingdom of heaven as this, as it's God's people in God's place doing things God's way. God's people in God's place doing things God's way. And so if you are walking in relationship with Jesus, guess what? You are a part of God's people, right? And if we can come with a mindset that that the, the job we're at, the family we're in, the church we're a part of, the community that we're a part of, that that is the place that God has put us and begin to operate and do things according to God's way and his word, then what we have the power and the responsibility and the opportunity to do is to expand God's kingdom. It's not about a set of values. It's not about building a church necessarily, but it's about building God's kingdom. And so if you were here last week, we looked at this um, concept of having kingdom resources. And we talked about ATM, that we all have an ATM. We all have abilities that God's given us. We all have time that God's given us. We all have money that God's given us. And, and we shared the parable of the three servants who was given resources by his king, and the king went away for a season and came back and said, okay, what have you done with the resources that I've given you? And we know that the one that was given five, he doubled it. The one that was given two, he doubled it. The one that was given one bag of money, what did he do? He buried it, right? And we ended last week with looking at this concept briefly that, that you and I have a, a specific amount of resources, of, of abilities, of time and money that God has given us. And at one point, one day, we will have to give an answer for what we've done with that. We will have to show that we have added value and that we have had a return with what he has given us. And, and 
a lot of times we don't invest it, we don't use it the way we're supposed to, we wind up burying it. And we talked about that we bury it for three reasons. One, we get trapped by comparison. We think, well, if I only had what the other person had, I don't have enough. We compare ourselves to those around us who maybe have more, who have less, have done more. So we get kind of frozen and, and we bury this gift. Or, or maybe we have this need for comfort to where knowing that investing in giving more time, in using our abilities, in taking risks, it, it's scary and it's uncomfortable. And we have this desire and this need to take care of me, right? To be comfortable, to um, do things that only bring us pleasure. And the third reason, this is what we'll talk about today, is we just lack a cause. We lack a cause, something beyond ourselves. And if you look at our society today, is, is everything is, is about us. Everything is about how we can you know, build up ourselves. Even sometimes in churches, we're preaching it, that, that how do we become better? How do we do better? How do we live better? It's, that's all good, but it can't be the end of it. There has to be something more because if we are our only cause, that is a very shallow cause. And so I want to remind us today here as a church what our cause is because here's, if, if we can understand our cause, if we can have a cause then, that is bigger than us, then this is what happens, okay? First is, is we worry less about what other people think. When we understand a cause that is outside of us, that is bigger than us, that is greater than us, then we worry less about what other people think and more about pursuing that cause. When we have a cause, we, we push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. Think about something in your life that, that maybe you wanted to accomplish, whether it was you know, run a 5K, run a half marathon, maybe lose weight. We, we, we have a cause that is great but it's still about us. And even in that cause, we push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. We wake up early so we can work out. We push, you know, the chocolate pie back. You know, we push ourselves away from the table. We, we exercise. We, maybe you're, you're pursuing another degree or another occupation, and so you're having to work extra hours. I was talking with someone this morning, and, and she's working 12-hour shifts at night and then also working like three or four hours during the, during the day, sleeping just a few hours, and she's placed herself outside of her comfort zone. Many of you that are serving on our A-team have placed yourself outside of your comfort zone because we put you at a greeter and you would rather not even look at people, <laughs> right? <laughs> you were just like, I'm just going to hang right over here in the shadows so nobody sees me, right? But you have taken an opportunity and said, you know what, put me outside of my comfort zone because I want to be a part of a cause that is greater than just myself, right? And so when, when we understand that we have a cause we leave an impact that outlasts our life. When we understand we have a cause, we are leaving an impact that will outlast our life. When the cause is just about ourselves and our finances, then, 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 then we're storing up treasures that, guess what, we're going to leave behind and somebody else is going to use. Right? But when we understand a cause greater than us, 
the people that we impact and the relationships that we have, we keep in mind that, that when I'm gone, whether it's I take my last breath or I move, that I want something that I've done with them, said to them, participated in, that is still going to leave a lasting impact when I'm gone. And when you look at the life of Jesus, that's how he lived with his cause, right? That's how he lived. He, he didn't care what the Pharisees and the religious people thought, right? He, he, he pushed himself way beyond any you know, area of comfort and pursued death on a cross by choice. And can we just say that the life he lived is impacting our life today over 2,000 years later, right? And even when you look at, at other disciples and, and, and Paul who, you know, went from killing churches to starting killer churches that was multiplying and growing, he has left an impact that is now impacting our life today. And so what is our cause? Avenue Church, we're a new church plant of, of eight you know, nine months old almost, what, what is the cause of the church? Is it to have incredible services and bring lots of people in and have an awesome worship team, which we do, and have an incredible speaker, which we kind of do, right? We have an incredible, like, kids team. We have an incredible setup team. We've got a really good location for where we're starting out. Is, is that all that there is? is? Is that the cause of Avenue Church is just to put more butts in the seat? No. And we see this in, in Matthew 6 9, 6, 9 through 11. And Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. And he says, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors. And look at the order of this, guys. Jesus taught the disciples to pray first for what? The kingdom of God. And then for our daily bread. He's saying, look, even in prayer, pursue the kingdom of God, the, ex the, the expansion of God's kingdom from heaven to earth before our daily bread. And let's be honest, like if we were to look at our own prayer lives, does that come first or second or third? We go right in with, God, I need you to take care of me. I need you to heal this person. I need you to provide this as we jump right in. But first, it says, pray for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. And, and Jesus makes this statement again. It says what God wants is, is he wants us to pray for the kingdom first and seek the kingdom first. Matthew 6, same chapter, different verse, verses 31 through 33. It says, don't worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, all things. So seek his kingdom first. The church's responsibility, the church's assignment, every church exists to expand God's kingdom. Right, It's not about growing the church necessarily, but as we grow the church, we expand God's kingdom. And I'm not just talking about our congregation. I'm not just talking about Avenue Church. I'm talking about you because you are the church. When you leave Avenue Church at 116 North Walnut Street, when you leave this place and we're done having church, you are the church. 
And it is the church, it is your responsibility, my responsibility to expand God's kingdom. Um, and when you look at different churches, yeah, we package it different ways. We have you know, cool logos, we have cool church names, and they all have a meaning, and that's all great, that's all important. But when it boils down to it, church, our responsibility is to expand God's kingdom, and, and God calls each leader and, and each church to package it differently, to present it in ways that leaders and teams are designed to reach specific people. Like Peter was designed, Jesus' disciple was designed to reach a specific people group. Paul was given authority and resources and a calling to reach another demographics of people. Avenue Church is called to reach a certain demographic and, and a specific people. World Outreach is reaching people that we'll never reach. But here's the thing, if we're all working in our part of the field and doing what we can do with our authority, our responsibility, and, and, and our resources, we are expanding God's kingdom. So I want to celebrate just a little bit this morning, and it's like, it's, it's hard to believe that we're coming up on our first full year as a church. Like, it just blows my mind. Go ahead and mark your calendars. January the 16th, 2022, on that Sunday, we'll be celebrating the first birthday of Avenue Church. Come on, I'm thinking about getting everybody bibs. I'm thinking about getting everybody bibs that has Avenue Church on it because you know when a baby has his first birthday, the baby gets a fancy bib. Good idea, bad idea, bad yeah, no, you'll get cake to go with your bib, but I'm thinking that's going to be fun. But, but literally, when, 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 I sit, when I sit and I think about what God has done this last year, um, my mind is just blown because this has been one of the most incredible experiences of my life um, next to witnessing the birth of, of our three girls and the marriage to my wife. And, and honestly, this one may have been harder um, I asked my wife that question because um, for me it's been harder. And I said, hey, which has been harder, like birthing three kids or birthing a church, babe? And she just kind of looked at me. Those of you know Jennifer, <laughs> she just looked at me. She's like, both of those are a breeze in comparison to teaching in the middle of a pandemic. And so in my mind, this has been extremely hard, but it's been so rewarding just seeing what God has done. And as we're getting ready, look, we're talking about kingdoms, and I know like everyone's mind is getting ready, gearing up for the Christmas holidays. And as we get ready to head into the new year, I want us just to pause and realize we're a part of a bigger kingdom, and the work that we're doing is impacting lives. You're here because your life has been impacted by the work that we're doing in this kingdom. And when we look at what has taken place since January the 17th, we've had 78 fresh starts. Come on, we've had 23 baptisms. We've added 25 people to our A-teams. We've doubled our small groups. Wait, 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 from two to four. Come on, people. <laughs> and so, and this is the crazy part. We have tripled the number of people that are involved in small groups in that. I'll take that. And when we look at overall engagement, see, we, we, we look at all these metrics. When you look at overall engagement, this is really what's most important because this means you're not just attending. We have 78% of our congregation engaged. Not getting married, right? But you're engaged. You're, you're it's like, really? It's like, you're involved in a small group or you're involved in serving. That's massive because that means you're not just going to a buffet and sitting down and going back to the buffet and sitting down. 
that you're doing something with what you're learning. As we've served over the last year, we've provided lunch at Journey Home about three times, serving over 100 people. We've worked at the food pantry with Greenhouse Ministries three times, serving close to over 700 people. We've provided lunch for the administration staff at Blackman Middle School twice. We provided crumble cookies to all the teachers at Blackman Middle School twice. And at Christmas, we're going to provide Starbucks gift cards to all the teachers at Blackman Middle School. Just, just kind of the heart that God's placed in us for that school to honor, honor that school. Um, and also partly because that was the school I wanted to be in. And so originally I was serving and ministering to that school for selfish reasons. And then God was like, what if you don't get in the school? Will you still honor and serve that school? And I was like, okay, <laughs> right? And they've given us a hard no multiple times, but I'm being obedient to God's word and still honoring the staff and the teachers there without probably ever getting anything out of it. And so I told you guys last week that it's our heart to give away 10% and maybe even work towards giving away more. And we've given away a little more than 10% of our income this year and almost $10,000 dollars to church planning through Association of Related Churches. Um, we've given another $1,500 to local church plants here in Murfreesboro. We've given over $1,500 to local outreaches and just local benevolence, just helping individuals and over $1,000 in global missions. In the first nine months, guys, and we're just getting started. Can I get an amen? We are just getting started, and I believe that as we end 2021, we're making preparations for 2022, and you know, it's because of your giving and because of your serving that we're able to do this, and we're able to celebrate this, but, but here's the thing, like, like I, I want to be content with what God is doing, right, because Paul says to be content in all things, but I don't want us to get complacent, because there's a difference. Like if, if, if we're not content, then we're not enjoying and honoring and being grateful for what God has had or what God is doing. I want us to be content, but I don't want us to get complacent. I want us to continue to move forward. And so with, with, with that, what does it look like? We've had a lot of new faces come in over the last six months and making room around the table and what just started with six people. And so I want to remind us what our kingdom cause is for Avenue Church. And I will do this a time or two a year just to, just to build that foundation. And for us, for Avenue Church, our cause is, yes, to expand, expand God's kingdom, but it is through the understanding that we want to lead people to experience the way of life they were created to live in Christ. And if you look at your life, there's been times in your life where you tried to do things your way and live life your way and experience it your way and it probably didn't go so well. And if it's not you, then you know someone. You probably see them in the mirror every morning, right, if we wanna be real. And so I want people not just to experience another way of life or really even a better way, but there's no better way than in relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want people to understand that it's not just they were meant to live, but that they were created to live the way God called them to live, that, that, that people are, are, are created on purpose 
for a purpose. And in Jeremiah 6, 16, and you got a bracelet, you know that it's on there. And the prophet is, is prophesying. Jeremiah says that he's given some instructions to the, to the people of Israel. He says, stand at the crossroads and ask for the old godly way. Look around and ask for the old godly way and walk in it and travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. In the last couple of years, is brought a lot of weariness to a lot of hearts and a lot of souls and a lot of bodies and a lot of minds and we just want to stop. We just want to stop and you know we, we, we've come to crossroads in life for some of us in here. We've, we've come to crossroads in relationships. Um, we've come to crossroads within our marriages. We've come to crossroads maybe in your faith where you don't know which direction to go. Do I go straight? Do I go right? Do I go left? Where do I go? And it's just saying stop and just look around and ask Maybe a crossroads and seasons in your life. You're in between jobs. You're starting a new job. You need to start a new job because this one's wearing you down. Or maybe you're in a crossroads in your faith. You're coming out of church hurt, but you know you need to be in church. Or maybe you've, you've, you've walked away from God for a season and you feel something stirring on the inside of you and he's calling you back. You're at a crossroads. I want to invite you and invite those that come through this door to stop, to look around and to ask and to find the old godly way. And, and we see Jesus make this declaration in John 14, 6. And Jesus says this. He answers the question to the disciples. He says, I am, let's say this together, what? The way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus when we stop and we stand at the crossroads and we look around and we ask for that way, that way is found in Jesus and him and him alone. It's not found in a great worship service, although we experience him here. It's not found in the walls of a building, even though this is where we meet is here, but it's found in Jesus. And he makes this declaration, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And what that looks like for us as Avenue Church and our cause that, that we wanna drive deep into your hearts and drive into the hearts of those who are at the crossroads is we want them to experience the way. And that is experience God's unconditional love. And we've all walked through seasons and you may be in that season now to where you feel like you can only be loved because of who you are, how you look, and what you do. And what you can give and how you can serve and what you can become. But God's already shown the greatest extent of his love that while you and I were still sinners, not waiting on us to clean up, not waiting on us to get our act together, even though some of us are walking with Jesus and we're still messing up, he doesn't like, his love meter doesn't go down. It stays full. You know, I just had this image of playing Super Mario Brothers or playing a video game, right? And then like your life meter starts going down every time you do something wrong. God's love meter doesn't go down every time we do something wrong. It stays full. He can't fill it up any more than what it already is. And so, so what, is that, what does that look like? It's to be in relationship with someone. To be in relationship with someone is to experience them. We say we want you to know God. We want you to experience God. We want you to be in relationship. If you think about your closest relationships, it's because you have shared experiences. 
think about your best friends from college and like some of my friends from college that it seems like I haven't seen them in five years, but the minute I get with them, it's we pick right up where we left off. It's because we have so many shared experiences and it's the same with you. Even if you walk away from God, when you come back, he picks up with you right where you left off because he doesn't change. And so what does that look like for us? Every week or two, I will go through and I will send emails or text messages to people that I haven't seen in a while. And for some of you, you may have received some of those emails or text messages. And, and there was one individual that she came probably four or five times and she like, then I didn't see her for two or three weeks. And then she came and then I haven't seen her in weeks. And I texted her a few months ago and I've shared this with our, with our A-team and our coordinators. I want to share it with you because this is, this is what it looks like for people to experience God's unconditional love, and I texted her, and you may or may not can read this, and just to check how she was doing, she's gotten a Sunday job, and so she can't come to church, but she said, I would also like to thank you for renewing my faith. The last couple of years have been rough, and a few months ago, I decided to give my life back to God. I tried a few churches and never felt like I fit in until I came to yours. You and your congregation are so welcoming and have truly restored my faith in God and humanity. Humanity, I can't thank you enough. That is someone that had moved to Murfreesboro broken, looking for a change, looking for love, and she experienced it here, unconditionally. And she would come in and she would sit by herself, but I watched my team, and I watched you guys go over, sit down, have a conversation with her would get up, somebody else would go over, sit down, and have a conversation with her. See, people aren't going to experience. They may hear it in a sermon. They may feel it in worship, but they experience in your words, in your interaction. And so it's imperative, church, that we live and lead in a way here on Sundays and throughout the week that people can experience it, not just hear it and not just know it. Paul says that God's love is too great, it's too deep, it's too wide for you to fully understand. But he says, I pray that you would experience that love. So we want people to experience God's love. The truth, we want people to find the truth and that is find their identity in Christ. The greatest question that we're always asking is, who am I? We're asking, who am I? What am I supposed to be when I grow up? What am I supposed to do? We start asking kids that from a very young age. It's like, what are you gonna be? When I was younger, I wanted to be an exterminator because I love jumping on bugs, right? <laughs> it's like, I remember, like, this is gonna sound horrible. Like I, like, I remember taking bugs and frogs to a stump when we lived in a village called Mickey, and I would set them on the stump, and I would raise a giant rock and just drop it. That's horrible, right? It's, it's amazing that I became a pastor instead of a serial killer, <laughs> right? But we're always trying to figure out, God, what am I supposed to do with my life? And I don't want you to find it. I don't want you to find that identity in a relationship. I don't want you to find it in an occupation. I don't want you to find it in wealth. I don't want you to find it in anything else except in Christ. Paul says that, that our real life is found in Christ. And when you look at our culture today, we are in an identity war. Would you agree? 
that from gender identity to sexual orientation, that everything is wrapped up in trying to find an identity in us, right? But identity was the very first thing that was given in the garden in creation, that we were created in, man, in, in God's image, male and female. And so we are in the middle of a identity crisis. And so how do we find our identity? It's through deeper study of God's word and stronger connection to his body. Deeper understanding and study of God's word, knowing who God is and understanding that we're made in his image. And then being, if, if Christ is the head and the church is the body and we are to be identified with that, then we need a stronger connection with the body of Christ through attending Sundays and through attending small groups and building relationships throughout the week. And our guys group, our guys small group, we're in the middle of, of looking at the life of Samson and how he had this, this great ability and strength given to him from, from God. But really, when you look at his story, it's because he was placing his identity in the wrong place. He was placing his identity in his ability and his gifting instead of realizing that his identity was in who gave him that gifting and ability. And when we begin to put our identity and our giftings and ability, then pride begins to seep in. And we begin to make poor decisions, selfish decisions, and the ball of yarn just unravels. But if we place our identity in Christ and we build it on him, then knowing that we are fully loved, then we can do this last thing and we can walk in our purpose. And this is where Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. We want people to live out their purpose. And, and, and that looks differently um, for different people. You know, Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, he says that um, we are God's masterpiece. It's not on the screen, but we are God's masterpiece, which means you are God's greatest piece of work. Any of you that write or draw or, or, or make music or do anything creative, when you create something, you're like, that is beautiful. And if you have parents or, or if you have children and they make something, where do you put it? You put it on the fridge, right? Because it's a masterpiece. And it says that you are God's greatest work, God's greatest creation. And he created you new in Christ to do, everybody say do, do the good works. So there are things that you and I are purposed to do. And so in a series a while back this past summer, it was talked about if God is for us, who can be against us? And that God causes all things to work together for our good. And I made this statement and, and it kind of keeps coming back um, over the last couple of weeks and that, that when we go through things in life, um, some can be traumatic, some can be um, successful, some can be joyous, but all of those shape who we are and what we do and, and what we're capable of doing. And I made this statement that, that nothing is wasted, that anything that you experience in life or go through in life, no matter how painful, it's not wasted. And that anything that God calls you to, to do, guess what? He's not gonna withhold anything from you to do that. And so nothing is wasted and nothing is withheld. When God purposes you for something, he's gonna use what you've been through to accomplish that. And he's gonna provide what you need to accomplish that. And so just, just, just kind of thinking about some of the cool stories and things that we've seen here at our church. And, you know, we're, we're always changing things and tweaking things on, on how we do and what we do to reach people and connect with people and to encourage and love and care for people. And so 
And, and a lot of times we think that, that living out a purpose has to be something massive that makes the headlines, makes the news, and that everybody knows about. But it could just be something small that makes a huge impact in someone's life. And so just recently, we just make the, made, made a small shift in, in how we're doing our guest follow-ups. And so we follow up with guests for like the first three weeks after they visit. We'll send a text message on that Sunday or Monday they visit, and we'll send an email and another text message and an email. And I thought, you know what? What if we started sending handwritten letters? How cool would that be? Because most of the mail I get at my house is junk or bills, which is also junk, right? <laughs> which is also junk. But I decided, look, I told, I told Chris, who oversees our, our connection team, and he sent it out to all um, all the team members and um, Gabby, who's on the front row, I told her I would share this. She sent a message back and she said, I get to mail out handwritten cards to new guests, all caps, which means she's screaming. Says, I'm so excited. I love handwriting notes and cards. This is the moment I've been preparing for my whole life. <laughs> she says, I'm ready. <laughs> she says, Chris, I grew up a Navy brat. And I had to handwrite letters to my dad when he was out to sea. And as I become an adult, that has turned into an embarrassing, guilty pleasure of now owning boxes and boxes of cards that I randomly mail out to give to friends with handmade wax stamps for the envelopes to brighten their day. So yes, I've literally been preparing this moment for my entire life. <laughs> Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. And so in my thought, I was like, you know what? If she loves it that much, let's send them a second letter. And she gets to write all of those, <laughs> right? And so I texted her, and she was like, yes, please. I know that sounds weird, but I love it. And I said, it's not weird. It's purposeful. That small thing is purposeful. We've got another young lady that's been serving, and I won't call her by name because she would kill me, but she's been serving in the back um, for our media team and just doing the slides and not really knowing what she wanted to major in in college. And so just by experiencing and serving here, now she has found a desire and a curiosity for wanting to major in media and film at school. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is withheld. And... Uh, Another gentleman that's wanting to, to start hosting and leading some small groups. And so um, we met at his house for the first time a few weeks ago. And he just recently moved into this house. And uh, Steve um, was hosting at his house. And Dale showed up a week early to his small group. And here's, here's the crazy thing. Dale has been at that house multiple times for another small group when he was attending another church. Nothing is wasted Nothing is withheld. And I think about connections that we've made through the years and that Leslie, who is on our serve team and just a bright face and just full of energy, I met her brother 14 years ago on a missions trip in Monroe, Louisiana, when it was 116 degrees. And now, 16 years later, she's serving on our team. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is withheld. Just think about Olivia, which I don't think she's in here. She's serving in our kids. She's now one of our youth leaders, and I was her youth pastor. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is withheld. When we get people to understand that they are unconditionally loved, that their identity is found in Christ and Christ alone, and that everything comes together, that they can live out the purpose that God has for them, not just in this church, but expanding God's kingdom. Come on. 
Nothing is wasted. Every nothing is withheld. And one more, Landon, who was on the keys today, but he plays drums for us a lot of times. Um, while my wife and I were youth pastors, we had a worship team, and um, they were pretty good. Like, I would put them, a bunch of teenagers, they were really good. And, and our keyboard player, we forced him to sing one Sunday or one Wednesday night, and he hated it. But when he found out Landon was on our team, he went to school with Landon at Lee University. He said, Landon is literally one of the best musicians I've ever played with. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is withheld. And so when you look at what God's even doing in the nine months and all those little things, we have an incredible cause here at Avenue Church. We have an incredible opportunity to reach people. And, and here's what I know, okay? God's given Jennifer and I an authority to speak to generations. You look at the majority of our life, we've spent it in children's ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry, and even when you look at our church, it's like, am I running a youth ministry again? No, I'm just kidding. But, but like, like we, we've had older folks, wiser folks come, and they're like, you've got a lot of young people, and here, here's the thing. It's not that I want a young church. I want a multi-generational church that speaks to generations. Because before we moved and, you know, I was, I was running just trying to prepare, you know, just clear my mind. I was still on staff and I was running. And, and I was hearing all these other church planners and they were talking about this great vision and love for the city they were going to. And like, to be honest, I love Murfreesboro, but I didn't feel as passionate as those guys sounded. And I knew I needed like, a catch. I knew in order to, to reach people and get people on the team, I, I knew that, that God burned that love and that passion for Murfreesboro in me that I hear from these other pastors. And as I was running, it's really hard to run and cry at the same time. If you've ever done that, as I was running, he was like, I'm not just giving you a city, I've given you generations. Because when you look at Murfreesboro, there are generations moving to the city. There are generations that are moving and, and changing. Whole families are being started here. And he's not just given us a city. He's given us generations. And so, so, so when I look, it doesn't mean that I want just a church full of young people because there is a lot of wisdom and experience that comes with having gray hair or no hair, right? And wrinkles, right? And so we need that because here's what I see in Scripture. I see that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we need every generation because the psalmist says that one generation declares the goodness of God to the next. And I know we may be young now, but there's going to be a season where we move out and there's going to be another generation coming in and we have to declare God's goodness to them. Because when we declare God's goodness to them, we're expanding God's, God's kingdom beyond our generation. And is it an impact that will last beyond our life? And so when we look, guys, at what God is calling us to do, here's what I want you to do just for a moment. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to see what I see. I want you to close your eyes and see what I see. When I think of Avenue Church, I see a diverse, multi-generational church that is overflowing with authentic community. Caring for, encouraging, and challenging each other. 
that we are a church, a community that is encountering God in passionate worship. Learning from God's word and each other, not just me. But I see a church that stands for truth and righteousness, but does it with love and compassion. I see a church that pursues the presence and the power of God, not just in a religious routine on a Sunday, but living out as the church Monday through Saturday. I see a church that is intentional about making room in God's kingdom for those that have found themselves at a crossroads, those who are needing to experience God's unconditional love, those that are looking for an identity and we want them to find it in Christ. I see a church that's helping people discover and live out their purpose regardless of what other people think. And so I was preparing just for another moment, just keep your eyes closed as I was preparing. I just kept getting this phrase for the next year and I know we're only a month out but I just kept getting this phrase Pray and prepare to make room for more. Pray and prepare to make room for more. I love where we're at. I love the feeling of where we're at. I love our Sundays. I love our small groups, but we can celebrate all that God has done, but we can't stay here. There are too many people that need to experience God's unconditional love too many people that are trying to live life their way and they need a better way. They need God's way. And so I want us to pray and prepare to make room for more. More what? More salvations and baptisms. More small groups. More opportunities for relationships. More opportunities for discipleship and leadership development. More opportunities to serve in our community. More space more people to serve on our teams, adding staff, greater things to come. Look up here at me. I want you guys to see that with me because I can't carry this on my own. It takes all of us to do this. God's given us this vision to do this together as a team, as a church family. It takes all of us to do this and, and we can't wait until we're already there. If we wait until we're already there, we're already too late. We have to start praying and preparing now to make room for later. It's like when we were in Dallas this past summer and it seems like, like you've been to Dallas three years in a row and it's always under construction. And Jennifer was like, I wish they would just stop with the construction. And I'm like, babe, the road work they're doing now is not for the traffic that they have now. The road work they're doing now is for the traffic they're gonna have in two years. And then in two years, they'll be doing road work for traffic two years. So what you and I have to do and what we have to do as a church, what I have to do as your pastor, as a leader, is, is, is pray and prepare to make room for more. Not more now, but for the more that's coming. Because I believe God is sending people to this area, to this church. There's too many crazy connections and too many God moments for, for us to be just content. I don't want us to be complacent. I want us to pray and prepare to make room in our hearts for people, for people who don't look like us, for people who think differently from us, from people who 
need Jesus. I want us to pray and prepare to make room in our schedules in the next year to serve, to connect to the body, to serve the body. I want us to pray and prepare and make room in our finances to give towards this kingdom vision. I want us to pray and prepare to make room um, in our lives, in our hearts. And keeping in mind that it's greater than Avenue Church, that it is a kingdom cause that we have been given. Not caring about what people think, moving out of our comfort zone, leaving an impact long after we are gone. Look up here at me, all right, just as we get ready to close. For some of you in here, like Stephen, that sounds all great and dandy, but my life is an utter wreck right now. My world is upside down. You don't understand the thoughts that I have. You don't understand the things that I'm going through, what I'm facing, what I've been through, what I'm gonna face. My cause is I just need to make it through the holidays. Could it be maybe you've been trying to do things your way and your way is not working and you need to turn your way over and take up his way? Jesus says, all of those who are weary and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. There's a passage in Hebrews that says, take a new grip with your tired hands. And I love the visual on that. If you've ever been moving furniture and it gets really heavy and like your fingers are cramping up, for some of you, your hearts and your souls are cramping up because you're trying to carry the weight all on your own. And Jesus is saying, look, let me take this grip, loosen your grip. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I need to do things God's way. I'm at the crossroads, Stephen. I'm at the crossroads. And everything that you've said, it's where I'm at. I need to experience God's love. I need to know who I am in him and nothing else. And God, I want to know what my purpose is. It all starts with saying yes to a relationship with Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we come to this moment, as we come to this crossroads in your life, if you're here and things haven't worked your way and you want to turn them over to follow God's way, would you just simply lift your hand just for a moment? Awesome. Awesome. All right, look up here at me, church. Here's what I want. I want us to be passionate about that cause that each and every single Sunday we get the opportunity to introduce people into a relationship with Jesus for them to follow again or follow closer. And so I want us as a church to be all about the Father's business and the Father's calls on our life. And so as I'm praying, those of you who lifted your hand or maybe you didn't lift your hand, but it's, it's stirring in your heart as we're praying, you're simply gonna say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'm at a crossroads. I'm turning it all over to you. And I'm asking you not just to be my savior, but also to be my king and my Lord, that I trust and I follow you. And I'm gonna pray for us as a church that we would be about this kingdom's call. So Father, we come to you this morning. God, I thank you so much for this church. God, I thank you for the call that you placed on Jennifer and I and for those that are, are serving alongside of us. God, that each and every week we consider it an honor and a privilege to come into this space, God, to make room for those that need an encounter with you. 
So God, those that are at the crossroads this morning and they've lifted their hand, it doesn't save them, but God, it acknowledges that they need to repent, that they need to change directions, they need to go a new way. And so God, right where they're seated, God, I pray that they are encountering you, that they are experiencing you. God, wrap your arms of love, of comfort and encouragement around them. God, that any guilt or shame or weight that they've been carrying because of what they've done, what they've experienced, God, take it from them. Take their mourning, give them joy. Take their shame, give them confidence. So, Father, we thank you. God, for us as a church, God, we celebrate what we've experienced the last nine months in the first year. God, we want to be content and grateful for what you've done, but help us not to be complacent. God, push us out of our comfort zone. God, push us out of the comfort zone of serving, of giving, of sacrificing. God, help us to not be so much concerned about what others think, but instead about what you think. God, help us to live for a cause that will outlast this life impacting those around us to ways that we can't even imagine on this side of eternity. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen, amen. Come on, come on.